Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Hey everyone, I'm here before the episode starts to bring you learning moments with Amy. Now that I've been podcasting and advocating for a few years, my understanding of endometriosis, as well as the issues that our community faces, well, they've really evolved and progressed over the years. So I've been going through our earliest episodes because I want to make sure that these earliest published episodes have accurate information in them. Listening back to this episode, I really liked what we spoke about in this episode about building habits. But I realized that I really want to stress that when Brittany and I talk in this episode about the habits that we have, we're talking about our own specific individual habits that we have put into place to try and manage our symptoms. We have these habits because we have seen that they improve our quality of life. And the habits that each person puts into place for their health is going to be individual because we are all different and our bodies are all different. In this episode, when we discussed how we want to follow our specific habits and our struggle to do so, I just really wanted to make it clear that we are not referring to diet culture here, not even when we're talking about our food choices. You know, I talk in this episode about my struggle to give up added sugar. And by added sugar, I mean those that's found in foods like desserts. So not naturally occurring sugars that are found in fruit, for example. I give up added sugar because it causes me fibromyalgia flares. And in fact, I made a choice to give up all added sugars because even just one cookie or, you know, one bite of cake prior to my excision, like really caused me a lot of symptoms. This is why I talk about my struggle to give up just one bite, is that I really truly wanted to give up eating all desserts because doing so helps me immensely with my symptoms. And then Brittany, you know, she talks about her own struggle to avoid all gluten, like even the occasional olive ciabatta roll, and that's because she's celiac. So I just wanted to expand prior to the episode on our personal choices because I want to be clear that like when we talk about how we don't even want to eat one bite, it's not because we are demonizing sugar or we're demonizing gluten or any other foods, but it's because we made these choices for ourselves personally because of the way that these foods make us feel. And I feel like it's just important to point that out because Brittany and I have spent the last couple of years unpacking how diet culture and wellness culture plays such a toxic role in our relationship with food, both as an overall society and as individuals. 
So because there's so much messaging in society that like certain foods are demonized, I don't want our own talk in this episode about our struggles to give up certain foods because of the way that they make us feel as individuals. But I don't want our talk around that to even accidentally perpetuate any diet culture messages. All right. Thanks for joining Learning Moments with Amy. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today, we wanted to talk about the goals, routines, and habits we want to build towards having a healthier life and why it's so hard to maintain those goals and habits and routines. Ugh! Why is it so hard, Brittany? Because science says it's hard. It's not just us. We didn't make it up. Science says so. It's but really we, hard. But if we learn the science, can it get easier? Yes, it can. <laughs> Thank <laughs> take, goodness. Take that, habits, routines, and goals. Let's forge ahead to achieve them. I will conquer you. <laughs> you will be surmountable. Ooh. <laughs> I will achieve. Wow. I will go get them. So motivated. <laughs> well, that's fascinating and all, but honestly, why do I care about the science of habits? Like, why do I care... If I have healthy habits. Because health is built on healthy habits. Is that revolutionary to you? Is it? Yes. If we have healthy habits, we're likely to have better health than if we have unhealthy habits because we fall prey to what our habits are. Okay, Brittany, but um, newsflash here. We have endometriosis, so our health kind of sucks. Did you forget that part? No, I didn't forget that part. About the sucky endo health? (laughs) (laughs) No, because even having a health issue as severe and detrimental and devastating as endo, there can still be lots of habits surrounding you and your other health choices that can contribute to a better experience from day to day. When I think, too, healthy habits can help us manage endo better. And I think healthy habits can help lead us to the optimal health that we can have. Because I think we can all have optimal health, even with endometriosis. And But our optimal health may not be the same as, for example, my partner's optimal health as a person who does not have endometriosis. But I can still be in my own optimal health or I can have endo and then be in like poor health. Developing healthy habits is not easy at first. or even, you know, after the start. So it gets easier? It does get easier. (laughs) But there are actually a couple tips and tricks that can help you to solidify these habits based on the science. And because there's a whole science and an art to building the habits, we wanted to talk about that today because we've had to learn how to make our habits stick, and we want to help you learn that too. So first, we want to talk about some habits that Brittany and I have and our struggles to follow them. One of the hardest habits for me to learn how to stick to was my sleeping schedule. So I really like scary movies and thriller movies, and I'm a completionist, meaning if I start a movie, I got to finish it. Otherwise, I won't know what happened to little Timmy in the well and whether or not little Susie's going to die or is she a demon or what's that? We talk about demons a lot. That's weird. (laughs) But I need to know what's going to happen. Well, Brittany, that's because as we established, we have endometriosis. Yeah, okay, okay, makes sense. That's why it's so demonic, okay. (laughs) So I remember in the beginning when I tried to commit to going to bed at 10.30 every night, I was watching a movie with my partner and it was a thriller and I had a half an hour left and it was 10.30 and I was like inside having this almost moral battle with myself. Like, I must continue the movie. 
I must know what happens to the character, but I must be dedicated to my habit. I have to go to bed. It's my bedtime. I have to pause it. I can watch it tomorrow. I was having this war inside. My partner looked at me and was like, uh, yeah, you are right over there? Like, no, I have to stop the movie. I don't want to. I stopped the movie. And then it took me even longer to go to bed because I was so, like, warring with myself inside. But it felt like a victory the next day. But it's definitely a struggle to give up things that you're interested in in order to stick to your sleep habit. One of the habits that I have is that I exercise every day and I take a walk. And I really like taking a walk and it's really good for my endo pain and for my fibro pain and for my inflammation pain and for all the pains. It's just, it's really good for all the pains. But there are so many times when I get home from work and I have plenty of time to take the walk, but then I have no willpower to go take the walk. You know, I get home and I start bargaining with myself and I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're, it's just, yes, I want to take a walk, but I'm really tired today. and. I worked really hard at work and I had that really stressful meeting. And there's a new episode on of Grey's Anatomy that I haven't seen yet that I could catch up on. And it's kind of drizzling out and my cat needs attention and I really should cook my dinner. And then I feel like I'm getting pulled in every which way. And then it's just so easy to not give priority to taking my walk or to convince myself that I'm too tired to take my walk, which ultimately bites me in the butt because. Even though I'm really tired, if I go take my walk, then later that it helps me get to sleep with all the body pain that I have going and taking a 45-minute walk, it ultimately helps me fall asleep easier and stay asleep in the nighttime. So then it's kind of like, oh, you're too tired to take a walk. But then when nighttime, like when bedtime comes, it's like, you can't sleep because you didn't take a walk because you were too tired, oxymoron. And that is my battle practically daily with taking a walk, which is why I now take a walk before work. No excuses. Change your schedule. So another habit that's been hard for me is committing to a morning routine. When I mean committing to a morning routine, I mean actually getting up. (laughs) I am a snoozer, and I love the snooze button. She kind of is a snoozer, right? (laughs) Every time she talks, I'm like, oh, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. No, 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 stay awake, stay awake. I don't care what you think of me. I'm confident, and I have no self-esteem issues. Thank you. (laughs) Do it. Yeah, go. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But I I like to snooze because the bed's really comfy, and it's really warm, and I like to cuddle my dog. And it's very hard for me to get up in the morning just based on my body. So I have had to learn to not snooze. And when my alarm goes off, committing to actually opening my eyes and getting up and starting my morning routine. And that could mean getting my food together, doing my meditation, taking my walk, whatever my routine is. Learning to commit to it is a habit that's been really hard for me and something I'm actually still working on. Just one more snooze. Just eight more snoozes. Just one more snooze. (laughs) My partner jokes, why do you have seven alarms? Because I need them all. (laughs) That's the worst. And then you look at the alarm. You're like, oh, my God, I have to leave in five minutes. And then you get up and it's so stressful. And then you're rushing around. And they don't have your food prepared. And then you don't get to wear your necklace because you forgot. And you're, like, half ready. And then you got one eyebrow on and only (laughs) one. You got one glove on. You forgot the other one. Like, you're just a disarray. Don't do that to yourself. And you arrive rushed and stressed. You start your day stressed. It's terrible. Don't do that to yourself. No more snoozing. I'm talking to myself. Don't do that to yourself. (laughs) Don't do that, Brittany. Self, don't do that, self. (laughs) 
So this is something that I really struggled with when I first began. Like many people, of course, I liked sugar. And so at first, when I became sugar-free, it's very hard because temptation is everywhere. And, you know, you go someplace and you're like, oh, well, they have cookies. Oh, and these are those fancy cookies from the fancy baker. And it's a special occasion. And, well, I know I'm sugar-free, but I, I could just have a bite of a cookie, right? And then you have a bite and the sweet cookie melts in your mouth. It's just (laughs) melting down your throat. And you're like, those endorphins and dopamine release and you're sold. (laughs) It's all over. And you're like, oh, well, I mean, I've had a bite. I might as well just eat the whole cookie. And then after you eat the cookie, you're like, well, I mean, now that I've had a cookie, I might as well have another cookie because I've already broken my promise to myself to be sugar-free. So I might as well just have another cookie. And oh my God, they have a slice of pie too. I could get a Cheat slice day. of Cheat day. Yeah, I could do a slice of pie and then I'll just pick up the wagon tomorrow and get back on the train. I'm sure I'll wake up the same tomorrow, not fatigued and in pain. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Don't just, lie to yourself. I'll just commit tomorrow. I'll just commit tomorrow. So much of my diet at the beginning was ruined by just one bite. And it was really hard at the beginning to resist all these really delicious baked goods that I was used to eating and that I craved. All right. So first, we want to say that if any of the situations have happened to you, then that is normal. Very, very normal. And expected. (laughs) Brittany has made all of these excuses in the past week. I'm sorry. Excuse me? (laughs) Exactly. Excuses. Wow. Okay. And Amy's perfect. And that story about sugar wasn't about her personally? I was speaking the third person about Brittany. Oh, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm the one who's addicted to their mom's chocolate peanut butter cookies. Get it right. It's peanut butter chocolate chip cookies, That's the same thing as chocolate peanut butter cookies. No, it's not. You put the emphasis on the chocolate, which is on the peanut butter. Proven. Point. With the chocolate. (laughs) Point. Proven. So the moral of the story is we've both made a lot of excuses and broken our habits plenty of times. Fine, Brittany, whatever. The point is that if you break your habits while you're learning them, don't beat yourself up about it because it's okay. Something that I think we all do in the beginning is that negative self-talk. When we break our goal, which is inevitable and okay and expected. Which is inevitable, the the breaking the goal or the self-talk? The breaking the goal. Mm. The self-talk is also inevitable unless we recognize and try not to do it. And by negative self-talk, we mean things like, I shouldn't have broken that goal. I knew better. How stupid of me. I'm useless at making habits. I'm I'm never going to get better. Yeah, those are Never going to be able to do this. I'm incapable. It's not the truth. I'm an idiot. Well. (laughs) no none of it's the truth but it's something that we it's guilt and shame that we have when we break a goal or break a habit it's not true and recommitting is important but it is also important to recognize that negative self-talk so that we don't do it to ourselves because it just actually makes it worse then we're sabotaging our recommitting to our goal i think what you said about recommitting is really important because I think there are stages to building new habits. Now, I don't know the exact science behind it, but my personal assessment is that there are four stages, if not more. So let's use an example that let's say that we want to get a new habit of being gluten-free. Relatable. Exactly. So the first stage is learning about the habit you want to change. So in terms of going gluten-free, 
That could mean learning about what it means to be gluten-free, what gluten really is, what gluten is in. Everything that's packaged. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Sometimes the weirdest things, too. It's like, this apple has been dusted with gluten. Like, why? (laughs) It enhances flavor and appetite. I don't care. (laughs) So the first step is kind of learning about it, learning about other people's experience, learning where you can find resources, where you can find options for understanding how to be, in this case, gluten-free. The next stage is when you're actively making the change. So in stage number two, you're actively being gluten-free, which means that you are not eating products that have gluten in them, or you're going to that really fancy special section of the supermarket where it says gluten-free and everything is five times more the price. That's where I spend all my time and money. (laughs) (laughs) And you're getting gluten-free crackers and fancy gluten-free Big Newtons. And you can't just buy regular baking flour. You have to buy almond flour and tapioca starch and And xanthan gum and coconut flour. and (laughs) Exactly. And so that's what you're doing in stage two, having already previously learned about things in stage one. Stage three is the expected mistake making, but more importantly, the recommitting. And the negative self-talking. Yes, cancel the negative self-talking. Just get it out of your brain. It's really hard to break an old habit. Your old habit was eating gluten. So not only are you trying to make a new habit, you're still trying to break an old one and an old one that persisted for your entire life up until this point. So it's understandable that it's really hard to break it. It's really hard to say no to your mom's peanut butter cookies with a chocolate chip. Got it right. Good girl. (laughs) It's really hard to say no to those things that brought you comfort and joy before, those things that you're used to eating. And a really great way to do that is figure out a way to take your old habit and incorporate it into your new habit. So maybe you can make gluten-free peanut butter cookies with a chocolate chip. We'll try. I've done it. They're great. I'll speak to my mother. I'll give you her number after you can dial her up. (laughs) And the last stage is that the change that you've been making, in this case going gluten-free, is cemented in you. You are now a person who does not eat gluten. (gasps) And you have no problem saying no to gluten because you're now gluten-free because you've hit stage four. Exciting. The final stage. Stage four is hard to get to, so know that it takes a long time. I have been gluten-free for now the majority of my life. So I have thankfully gotten to stage four. But even at stage four, (laughs) there's still some times where I almost regress to stage three. I have a small personal... Oh, the stage three is where you make a mistake and then you recommit. Yes. (laughs) So I have a personal... She's teetering on the edge of of state between stage four and stage three. Well, my partner may be my person soulmate. I think that my food soulmate is olive bread. (laughs) Oh, an olive bread, whether that be a sourdough or a ciabatta with herbs, without. Oh, I love olives and I love bread. Not the gluten-free kind. <laughs> so I, we, Amy and I have this grocery store near us, and they sell these small single portion rolls. And one of them is an olive roll. <laughs> and every time I go to the grocery store, I have to walk on the opposite side. It's a kind of a narrow area in the grocery store, and I walk on the complete opposite side of where the rolls are. But and still I, you get a Still glimpse. I pine. Still I sniff the air. <laughs> I look over at the olive rolls on the other side of the row. I just point to them, say, I love you. And there's, you know, a man there and he goes, me? I said, no, 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 move, move, move to the side. And woman's like, me? I said, no, 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 move to the other side. 
point at the olive rolls. I love you, boo-boo. <laughs> I wish I could have you. I just want to go over and look at them. I love the olive rolls so much. But I have to keep walking. <sighs> Stage four is real hard. <laughs> In the meantime, they're like, security. Get this creep away from the bread section. <laughs> girl creeping on the olive rolls. <laughs> that little olive roll looks up at me. You could eat me if you wanted to. I'm like, no, our love must stay separate. I'm already committed to another. I'm in stage four. I'm gluten-free. I can't. I'm committed to my stage four. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Yeah, you can move back to the side now. <laughs> Please cover Go them ahead. up. I don't want to see them Please. anymore. Go ahead. You eat them. <laughs> Run away. So even when you're in stage four, it's okay to still have a moment of almost regression to stage three. So stage four isn't permanent. There can still be times when it's really hard. So what I want to point out here by Brittany's love saga with the olive bread. <laughs> it's okay, Brittany. Here's a Kleenex. Thank you. Here you go. Dry your tears. There, there, sweetheart. There, there. This is how I treat her when she talks about cheese. I get it now. <laughs> now you understand. Okay. I always understood. I've always loved olive bread. <laughs> I didn't know your kryptonite weakness. So I guess what this highlights is that, all right, even though, Brittany, you absolutely love the olive bread and you want to go to the olive bread and you want to kiss and make out. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You want to eat the olive bread. I just want to eat it. Okay. That's weird. It, it got a little, I, well, <laughs> you may want to kiss and make out with cheese, but I just want to eat the olive bread. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> it got a little confusing. I do kind of want to make out with cheese. but <laughs> Keep that to yourself, okay? Oh, okay. Note to self. Delete later. <laughs> but when you see the olive bread now, from just, you're so close, you actually could go and grab the olive bread and you could put it in your cart, but you don't. Mm -mm. So my question is, do you still need willpower to resist the olive bread? I mean, now that I think about it, I think a little bit of emotionally, I'm like, oh, I would like to have that. But I've never actually almost gotten it. <laughs> I don't even have to think about, I have to fight that, that desire or fight that need or I need somebody to take me away from it. I've at this point now, I don't think it's so much of a willpower as more of that's just my norm. My norm is I don't pick that up. It would be very weird and abnormal to actually go select that. So I'm kind of past the point of willpower, if that makes sense. So at the beginning, you needed willpower oh, yeah. to avoid the bread. Oh, yeah. At the beginning, I had to walk around the entire section of the store, like completely avoid the area. Or go shopping with my partner and be like, you must make sure that I don't get anything. In the beginning, yes, I had a lot of willpower problem. But now, would you say you're just a person who loves olive bread but does not eat olive bread? Yes, I am. So that's your identity, would you say? Brittany, the olive bread lover but not eater. <laughs> <laughs> but... I have learned how to make gluten-free olive bread. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. So I'm still an olive bread eater, but just not a gluten-full olive bread eater. <laughs> I think this definitely really highlights the point that at the beginning, changing our habits are really hard, and it can take a lot of willpower to change our habits. But then after a couple of months, it ends up becoming something more like an identity. You know, and I think like if I think about at work, Everyone knows that Brittany is gluten-free. Like, everyone knows that Brittany doesn't eat gluten. And I don't think a lot of people know that she's celiac. I just think that they know that she doesn't eat gluten because she never partakes in the cookies and the cakes and the donuts and all the break room goodies mm -hmm. that they all have. Yeah, I don't go around professing it, but then people ask me why not, and I tell them. 
And it would be really weird. Like if Brittany reached for a donut, people would be like, what are you doing? I thought you were gluten free. Yes, I would get a reaction. So what's really cool and interesting about forming our habits is that I feel like now it's not even a habit for you. Like at beginning, it tried to become a new habit. Like I'm going to be gluten free. But now it's just like the person who you are. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of my normal. That's not abnormal to me anymore. That's just is what my life is and is how everything is. And I don't even second thought it anymore. So that's the ultimate goal for when we're forming our habits is to go from making it something new and something that we have to commit to to just making it a part of who we are. And when it becomes a part of who we are, that's when it really sticks. I assess that the biggest mistake that people make and that I made and that I see people making and that especially my partner makes, and that I see Brittany made. And, and that, that I've made. My cat makes, too. <laughs> oh, oh. Yes. Calling she out also, the cat. <laughs> she also has a new habit. <laughs> Would you call it a habit? But she walks outside every day on a leash with me. Yeah, she has a behavior. She has a habit. Yeah, she, so has, a, she has a routine. It's a routine. Yeah. Okay. So people always come up to me on the street, and they're like, oh, my God, your cat is so cute. And I'm like, I know. But apart from that, and then they're like, oh, my God, your cat is so cute. And I'm like, you just said that. And then they're like, <laughs> they don't say it again. Don't, don't <laughs> pretend. <laughs> Actually, they do. They're really impressed by Actually, it. like, your cat really is that They're cute. really impressed by Suki. <laughs> Especially because she's, she's, like, loves attention. So when they come to her, she's like, hi. Oh, hi, like somebody me, else I know. Mm. You? You. Oh. <laughs> like mother, like daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so then they say to me, they're like, oh, my gosh. How did you get your cat to walk on a leash? To which I say. You just got to keep repeating it. You got to keep doing it. Repetition, time, stick to it. You're like, I tried to get my cat to walk on the leash, but the first time I took her out, she just plopped down and she never walked. I'm like, yeah, my yeah, cat did. Did you the- try after that? My cat did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't teach a dog to sit one time. You go sit and the thing just sits and you're like, you're a genius. <laughs> you have to practice with your dog the same way that I had to practice with my cat day it's after called training. day. Exactly. And when we are making new habits, we have to train ourselves and our bodies and our minds to embody and embrace the new habit. So now when Suki goes outside, my little kitty, she's so cute. She walks on a leash by my side and it's amazing and it's awesome. But what people don't realize is that they're seeing Suki, who's now been walking outside on a leash for like two years. You know, and when we first started walking on the leash, she didn't do that. She would just go outside and be like, Mommy, there's something weird on my back. It's heavy. I don't like it. I'm scared and confused. <laughs> and now she's pumped and loving And life. now she's like, walk faster, Mommy. Let's run. Let's run. There's a cricket over there. I'm like, Mommy can't run. She's in a flare. Her uterus hurts. Please. Kidding. Every orifice, every cell. You don't have a uterus. You don't understand. We ripped it out, you lucky cat. <laughs> Poor thing. Seriously. But. I think the biggest obstacle for a lot of us in breaking our habits is just sticking to our habits because obviously at the beginning, it's different, it's new, it's hard, and we do it a couple times and then we're like, well, this is too hard. Like we, we try to go to bed early like Brittany did and, you know, she can't fall asleep at first and she's like, oh, I guess I'm just not cut out to go to sleep early. Like, no, Brittany, you have to stick to it. You, you have can. to train your body. Your body, it needs time to adjust its body clock. Well, that adjustment and that time shift and that commitment shift is gradual. It takes so long for it to actually happen. 
And oh. that's boring and slow. <laughs> that's so boring. And that's why it gets Brittany. frustrating because you're like, I'm tired of trying to make this work. It's never going to happen. But it takes a long time. I don't want something time. slow. I want to have it that's like microwavable. You put it in for 30 <laughs> seconds. You pop it out. It's hot and ready to eat. That's how our culture is, is everything is instant. Everything is right now. Oh, my God. I can order this online and I can get it in two hours on Amazon Prime. Excuse me, Brittany. Pause the podcast. Whoa. I'm going to get gloves. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boom. You see? I already got them. Wow. Bam. It's uh, like that's magic. creepy. Who came in my house? <laughs> no, but but that's fair. It's It's the same as like learning how to be proficient at your sport or learning how to play an instrument. You don't just sit at the piano and the next day you're a virtuoso. It takes time, really gradual, small, incremental time to make a new habit part of who you are. And that's why it's frustrating, but that's why you have to stick to it. Because if you give up after one, two, even three weeks, you won't finish and commit to that goal. And then you'll be really frustrated with yourself like we both have been plenty of times in our lives. Oh, my God. If I had stuck to my habit of going to belly dancing every Tuesday since my first year of college, I would be such a good belly dancer right now. Maybe you'd be famous for it. Who Ooh. knows? <laughs> I'd be the endo belly dancer. <laughs> they were like, you have endo belly. Only... And it's just like hanging out. That's and, you the know. only belly dancer I've ever seen. <laughs> Looks like she's six months pregnant. <laughs> All the time. For years. <laughs> yeah, that's my signature thing. That's yeah, the, signature the endo belly. Endo belly. <laughs> <laughs> the endo belly dancer. No, that, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe. <laughs> I think if I had stuck to some of the habits that I used to make, I would probably be proficient at quite a few instruments at this point. My life would probably look a little bit different than it does now if I had actually stuck to those habits. Ooh, if I had stuck to the habit of saving money like my father taught me from my first job when I was 16, but instead I just blow my money on lipstick and perfumes and <laughs> All the investments and, we'd and, have. And stuff. <laughs> And stupid things, and I would have had enough money to pay for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of endometriosis surgery treatment. Oh, wouldn't that have been wonderful? <laughs> and they wouldn't have had a big crushing loan. <laughs> Let's go back breathing in the past. down my neck right now. <laughs> Let's go in the past and then tell sixteen-year-old you, Daddy, you're gonna you need this in right. the future. <laughs> I should save fifty cents to every dollar because in the future I'm gonna have a debilitatingly <laughs> crippling, excruciating illness, and I need so much. Surgery. Surgery. I'm going to have to have at least three surgeries. This is going to be great. It's going to cost thousands of dollars. <laughs> Dad was right. We're going to have to give it to him this time. He was right. <laughs> so when it comes to taking the time to stick to your habit, I'm sure you've heard a lot of things like a habit takes 33 days or 40 or 45 or some amount of days. And it's really true that a habit takes about a month and a half to actually take root. So if you're trying a new habit, give yourself at least a month and a half, even two months, before evaluating whether or not that new habit is working for you. Ooh. And I feel like it depends because we hear these numbers being thrown around, like the ballpark number of, yeah, it takes about a month. It takes about 40 days. It takes about a month and a half. But I think it's it's not really about the time mm -mm. in the terms of months and days. It's about the repetition of the habit. Yes. Right? So if you're doing the habit every single day for a month, then you might solidify your habit at three weeks compared to a person who is like once a week trying to go for a run. Well, they might need 
three or four months to make that into like a habit that they go every Sunday to take a run and they don't miss because they're only doing it once a week. Yeah. So the point is that it's the repetitions. So the more times that you do it, the more success that you're going to have in in retaining that habit. Because as we do things repetitively and we have these patterns and these repeated things, we actually change our brains, which is kind of creepy. But But it's fascinating. But it is the truth. Plasticity. As we do things, we actually change the way our brains are inside and our brains, the neuron pathways build up and they're easier to go down and fire. (laughs) Yeah, the synapses are like, we're used to this. So they just fire away much easier and they work way better. And if our brain actually changes to help us to make that habit part of who we are, then it's not as much work going forward. Thanks, brain. Well, my cat must be really smart because it only took her about two weeks to get her new habit of walking outside. Well, I mean, her brain is a quarter of the size, so. Um, Don't insult my cat's brain. I'm not. That's all cat's brains. Well, you have a cat brain. (laughs) And she's speechless because her little cat brain can't think of a comeback. It's misfiring right now. So the next tip we have is celebrating every win. It's really motivating and encouraging when we're able to celebrate when we've made a good choice towards our habit, when we've stuck to our habit, and when we're moving one step closer to step four of that commitment scale. It's really important to focus on the success. And sometimes we see success as black and white as either I did or I didn't. I either went sugar-free or I didn't. I either went to bed on time or I didn't. But success and accomplishment is more gray. So you're getting there. You're getting one step closer. You're making better choices. <gasps> it's all about the journey. Yes, Brittany. it's all about the path. It's all the about journey. the path that we walk, <laughs> the journey to liberation. Wow, okay. <laughs> but I mean, yes, kind of you're right, is that it's also about the choices we make along the way to the end destination. So success isn't black and white, it's much more gray. Okay, so what if. Going back to my example of quitting sugar, what if I normally had dessert every single night, but then this week I had dessert three times instead of every single night, which would be seven times? That's definitely a win towards (gasps) your goal. Oh, my God. Yeah. And here I was feeling like crap because I still had dessert three times times and I couldn't say no to every single time and I was like what is wrong with you Amy why can't you just say no but you, you did said no say yesterday no. and now you're not yeah. saying no today but the success is that it was you a failure no negative self-talk oh, stop it oh slap in the face okay no negative Ooh. self-talk because you cannot feel shame you have to feel motivated mm. so you did say no so celebrate the fact that you said no feel really proud of yourself that you said no to something that you couldn't say no to before, and that you are committing to that goal in that moment. When you don't say no the next day, don't beat yourself up for it. Say, well, tomorrow I will say no. And look at the whole week as a success. Out of seven times, you said no more than you said yes. What a success. That's a win. Celebrate the win, but not with sugar if that's your goal. (laughs) (laughs) I'll celebrate my win by having a piece of pie. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Celebrate your win by not sabotaging your goal. (laughs) 
you know, what you were saying about how success is not black and white and it's all about the path. You said that. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, what I was so geniusly saying oh, okay. reminded me. <laughs> it sparked an idea, Brittany. I remember when a few years ago I was really obsessed with feeling better and I felt like I had to, I had this goal to be better and to feel better. And so I really wanted to feel good 100% of the time. And at that time, I was transitioning out of a phase of my very long phase, like half a decade of my life where I felt sick every single day. And I was trying to feel better and I was making all these healthy habits. And I would have these days where instead of feeling like utter garbage, I would actually feel halfway decent. And instead of celebrating this as a win, instead of being like, oh my God, I have felt like crap for every single day this week, but today I actually feel good and I can go outside and I can just take a walk and I can enjoy my day without being crushed by pain. But instead of seeing that, what I saw was disappointment that, okay, so if today I feel good, how come yesterday I didn't feel good? And probably tomorrow I'm not going to feel good either. And so every time I had a good day, it actually just became this twisted reminder about how I was still sick all of the other days. And what I realized at one point was that I was never satisfied and I was chronically disappointed because I wanted to be 100% better. And the fact that I wasn't 100% better was killing me emotionally. And in that moment, I realized, okay, what if I strive for continuous improvement, which was what was happening, right? Like it was what I was seeing was that I was starting to get better. And that's why I was having these little pockets of relief and these pockets of good days among days and days and days of chronic pain. And so when I started to focus on that and be like, oh my God, today I had a good day amidst all of these terrible days, then it became this focus of happiness and being proud that I was actually working towards my goals and getting close to achieving my goals. And notice I said achieving and not achieved because Mm -hmm. it's all about the journey. (laughs) It's all about the process that's ongoing, the path that we're continually walking, the, the life path. Are we writing a philosophical book right now? Sort of. (laughs) I am indeed writing a book about acceptance and coming to terms with endometriosis. So kind of, but that idea, the concept of celebrating your wins and just focusing on the progress that you're making instead of the end result, that's definitely one of the themes in the book. And I think it's important attitude, I guess would it be called an attitude or like a mindset that can be really helpful to have in life that I wish I had adopted sooner (laughs) about a decade and a half earlier than I adopted it. But hey, better late than never. (laughs) So the next tip and a personal favorite is building habits that you actually love. I put actually in there because a lot of times we start habits based off of what other people do surrounding that habit or what we think we're supposed to do, but not actually what brings us joy and makes us happy. So I'll give an example. So a common habit that people want to have is, I'd like to exercise more. A lot of people who exercise and a lot of society, the way society exercises, is going for a run. Wait, wait, wait. American society. 
<laughs> because oh, if you go to Europe, it's like hard like, We walk everywhere. You're Why like do we have to run? And, like you see someone <laughs> running in track shorts on the street. And they're always, when I lived in Bars, I lived in Spain for several years. And whenever we saw anyone like running, they'd, my friends definitely would always be like, <laughs> American. That's definitely an American. <laughs> yep. Yes, because Europeans walk everywhere already. Somehow the only people who put on sneakers <laughs> and go running at six in the morning. You see people running, it's like raining outside and they're like half they're still naked going. in their bikinis. I mean, is that a good habit? I don't know. Is pneumonia a good habit to have? No, but that's true. In, in American society, running and running marathons is something that's very common here. And a lot of times when people want to start exercising as their habit, one of the first things they try is running. Okay, if you like running, that's a great way to start. If you hate running, then what the heck are you doing running? <laughs> Pick something else. <laughs> for me, that was are something. Are you talking from personal Yeah, experience? that was something that was really hard for me. I was like, okay, I got to start doing daily exercises. And I hate running. I just hate it. I like the elliptical. I like spin. I like yoga. I like sprinting. But I hate long distance stamina running. It's so boring and I hate it. And hard. And hard. And, and it's bad just, for your knees. Yeah. Oh, I already have bad knees. So it was definitely not something I should have been doing. And chronic cardio causes inflammation. Yes. Thank you. Already have asthma problems. And my cat doesn't run. <laughs> no. She walks. If I run with my dog, she'll literally drag me behind her like a <laughs> kite. So I was trying to make a habit based on something that I didn't like. And it wasn't the exercise that was the problem. It was how I was achieving that habit. So I had to reevaluate and say, okay, I still want the habit, but I don't want the mechanism that I'm using for this habit. So I had to pick something that I loved, and I loved doing other exercises. So I was able to commit to that habit by actually picking a habit that I liked, which for me was more yoga and more of that full body, less cardio, more, you know, being more aware of my body, being more aware of myself. And that worked for me. Maybe you like running. This is no shade against people who like running. But if you tried it with yoga and you hate yoga, you're going to have the same result. So not just doing something because it feels like it's the right way to do it, but doing it in the way that works for you. Absolutely. How are you going to be motivated by something that you hate? It's true. And there's so many examples of this. If you want to eat more vegetables, but you hate broccoli, don't eat broccoli. There's way more vegetables <laughs> than that. <laughs> Pick other things. There's so many habits that we stick to, but we go for kind of the normal mechanism and we're all different people. Well, and the thing that society is like, oh, if you should eat broccoli because it has all these anti-cancer benefits. But I've always hated broccoli. Well, you're still going to hate it even if you make it a habit. <laughs> exactly. Then don't do it. Pick another vegetable. Yeah, you can still achieve your habit, but find the way that works for you so that you actually love your habit. If you want to love eating vegetables and doing an exercise or Having a morning routine, do it in a way that you're actually going to enjoy it because ultimately you have to enjoy your habit to make it part of who you are. Okay, so our next tip to sticking to your healthy habits is to figure out your obstacles. Brittany already named one obstacle, which is that you actually hate the thing you're doing, so you should probably just change what you're doing to make a new habit. But something else, I think, is what are your obstacles? So let's say that now you have the habit that you love. I love taking a walk every night. But somehow, sometimes when I come home, I don't end up taking a walk. 
And I think in those moments, that's when we have to ask ourselves, okay, what is the obstacle here? And can I get rid of that? Can this obstacle be surmounted? Ooh, wow. <laughs> Fancy. Mountaineering. Or is it an insurmountable obstacle? Oh, my. Is it a Mount Everest of obstacles? Or is it a tiny little anthill of obstacles? Well, Good an anthill could still be dangerous because the ants could come out. Fire ants. Oh, God. <laughs> don't wear flip-flops. Oh, God. Either way. <laughs> No, seriously, don't wear flip-flops when you walk the cat. I've been bit by so many fire ants. It is ridiculous. I wore sneakers once, and I still got in my shoes. It was actually <laughs> worse because they were trapped in my sneakers. Oh my so maybe wear flip-flops, but just look where you're walking. <laughs> okay. So let's say that I get home and I don't take a walk. And then that evening when I'm reflecting upon my habit and the day that I had, and then I say, okay, you didn't take a walk. You lazy, valueless turd. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Just kidding. Escalation there. That negative self-talk. Don't do that. That's an example of what not to do. What you should do is you should be open and have a loving heart and be curious and empathetic with your past self. Mm. <laughs> and no, but you should you should approach it with curiosity, right? And you should be open and you should curiously ask yourself without any shame, without any judgment, why? Why can't I do this thing? Exactly. Why? Ask yourself like that though. Not not just why can't I do this thing? Why? Why can't you do this thing? Why are you incapable, you lazy, valueless? No, turtle? I didn't oh. say that. Okay. Uh-uh. I just said why? If you say it in a fun voice, it feels less accusatory. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah just say something fun. You'll be more honest with yourself if you're already laughing. True. So then you ask yourself, why? Like Brittany said. There you go. Why? And you realize, oh, well, the reason why is that when I got home from work, I was really hungry. So then I had to make dinner. So by the time I got finished making dinner, it was dark out. You see, and then you you realize this is the obstacle, not an excuse, but an obstacle that you have to figure out how to surmount in order to be able to do your habit. Because if every day you come home and you're hungry, instead of coming home and taking a walk like you want to, you come home and you eat dinner. Well, then you're going to have to evaluate, like, what can I do in that situation to prepare dinner and have it in a Tupperware waiting for me when I come home? Or can I take a walk? Before work or I eat lunch later so I'm not as hungry when I come home. Exactly. So that's something that you can ask yourself every time that you, quote unquote, break your habit or you don't manage to do the routine that you want to do is to curiously with an open heart. Like Curious George the monkey. Oh, in the yellow hat. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why didn't I do this? And don't beat yourself up and don't have negative self-talk. Just figure out what you can do to get over the obstacle to be able to do it for next time. The next tip is to pencil it into your schedule. What if I want to use pen? Pen it into your schedule. What if I want to use (laughs) glitter pen? Glitter pen it into your schedule. Messily because it doesn't dry until like 10 years later. (laughs) But the point is, is to schedule your habit, or your commitment with yourself. If you don't put something on your calendar or make time for it ahead of time, it's really hard to make time for it in the moment. A lot of highly successful people talk about how... Like myself? 
Yes, and others. I meant like prolific famous people, but okay. Fine, Brittany. You're famous to me, Amy. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany, and my cat. Cats. You, you keep forgetting she only child. <laughs> my cat only. Yeah, my cats. My, But my favorite cat. Oh! Only. <laughs> of course I have a favorite. That's right. It's Duh. Hello. It's your first one is oh, your favorite. It's fair. <laughs> well, my cat only knows like four people. Yeah, that's in the true. world. So, <laughs> so to her, you are very so famous. To her, I am the one and only. <laughs> okay, well, including you, prolific famous people like you have talked about how they make appointments with themselves for their activities that they do with themselves. So, when we think about appointments like a doctor's appointment or bringing a child to a dance class or taking this business meeting. We think about how those things are things we can't miss. But we should also value the things that we have committed to with ourselves that much so that we don't miss them. My walk is a daily appointment that I do not break because it's just as important as the meeting that my boss wants to have with me, as that soccer game for my child, as that other thing that I have to bring myself to for my doctor. So really committing and putting those on a schedule is a really great way to help you embrace sticking to it and seeing how valuable and important it is to you. I hate going to the grocery store. Same. Does anyone like it? Oh, God. Maybe, you, maybe some people, like, like people who can eat samples might really like it. Like my boyfriend loves oh. it. He's like, oh, I get to go. I get to do the sample. So I'm like, I don't want to be There is a no sample memorandum in my family. My partner doesn't even ask. <laughs> Since I hate going to the grocery store, I go every week at the same time, Tuesday at 4 p.m. when I appointment. get off of work. Nice. It is. And I go straight from work to the grocery store. And in that way, I never miss it because that's what I do every Tuesday after work. It's nice that you also know it's coming. So it's like it's so routine that I'm sure at first you dreaded it <laughs> because you'd still dread going to the grocery store. But it's more like you know that that's when it happens and there's less the buildup like, oh, I have to go. I still haven't gone. Now I'm not going to be able to do this. Now I'm going to be able to do that. You just have a standing appointment with yourself. And that way you just know when it's coming and it becomes more normal and more regular. You know, it's funny because that is so spot on because as much as I hate going to the grocery store, I guess I don't really have any feelings about it anymore because it's just in that moment, that's what I do. Like when I leave work on Tuesday, that's what I do. I go to the grocery store. So I don't think twice about it. I don't second guess it. I don't have any judgment about it. It's just something that I do on that day. And honestly, I love, probably my partner is like, she's a little bit neurotic because I love setting a time for everything. He'll be like, let's watch a movie later. And I'll be like, okay, we're going to watch a movie at 6.30. Everyone be in the bedroom at 6.30. Me, you, the cats, in the bedroom, Aladdin, in the DVD player. At 6.30. At 6.30. I'm setting an alarm. It's going to go off. It's on the calendar. (laughs) (laughs) And I do this with everything. Like, I just, I can do things spontaneously. And I do, I just like to know the exact moment that we're going to do the things so that I can know it, that, like, I can plan my, I can plan my Yeah, it's a little bit of time management. You're like, well, I have these other commitments I have to do that that person may not know about. And it doesn't, like Brittany said, it doesn't, like, sneak up on you. Yeah. Right? So we'll be like, oh, tonight we have to go to the pharmacy and we have to buy chapstick. I'm like, okay, well, tonight is too broad. Like, I need to know exactly what time, what time do you want to go. Going. I'm like, okay, we will go at quarter to eight. So meet in the car. He's yes. like, okay, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm like, 
So I mentioned how I go straight to the grocery store after work. And this is another thing that you can do. So our next tip is to link your habits. So if you have a habit, like every day I go home from work. <laughs> is that a habit or just something I do? I don't know. It's that's my still ru- your routine. It's my routine. Yeah. Right? I feel like now habits and routines have become interchangeable. In yeah, they're episode. very similar. So I go home from work. So on the way home from work, I go to the grocery store. And then normally after I go to the grocery store, I go get gas. Even though I'm usually not on empty at that point, I still every Tuesday after I go to the grocery store, I go get gas. And so by linking one habit to the next habit, you're more likely to do the habit. It's kind of like We're all supposed to floss, but I bet a lot of people don't actually floss, but I started to floss in the last year, like every single day because the dentist said that my gums were falling apart because of all the chronic inflammation in my body. Because apparently when you have problems in your body and systemic inflammation, your gums start to see the effects. And he was like, you need to brush your teeth and floss. Might I note that my gums are doing much better? And also, they're doing much better since I had excision. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Take the root out. There's the solution. Oh the dentist is like, oh, well, when you have inflammation in other parts of your body, your gums can be a real indicator of that. You don't say. Oh, do I have inflammation in other parts of my body? Let How me... long do you have? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So should I start at the beginning? Do you want me to talk about like 16 years ago or like the most recent inflammation? How, how much time are you giving me for this story? <laughs> so the point is I had to start flossing and, and rubbing this ointment on my gums. And how did I start that habit? Of course, I linked it to a habit that I already had. I already brushed my teeth every night. So when I finished brushing my teeth, then I did the other things that I had to start doing my teeth. It would have been really hard to start the habit of flossing and putting the ointment on my gums and all that stuff if I was like, I'll do that every day at 11 o'clock when I'm taking a break from my work. <laughs> Yo, okay. <laughs> like, mm, That's unlikely to happen. Probably not. So by linking habits that seem linkable, it can remind you to do the habits. And since you're already doing one thing, it can be easy to do the next thing. The next tip is to know your style. Know thyself. Know thyself. To thine own self be true. (laughs) So some people, when they make a change, they are 100% all in cold turkey. (laughs) Yes, Amy turkey. (laughs) (laughs) And some people are... God, my cat would love to go after a turkey. (laughs) Oh my God. Horrible. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The vegetarian was coming out. That's totally normal. She cats is a hunter. Hunt. I know. I know. <laughs> cats are not vegetarian. I and know that. <laughs> please know. We do not condone feeding your animals vegetarian diets. Please don't. Please don't make your cat a vegetarian. No, please don't. Because cats are not vegetarian. It's, it's bad Animals for them. are not vegetarian. It, a cat is a pure carnivore. Let them eat meat, okay? Sorry. As a non-meat eater, sorry, let them Brit- eat meat. Sorry, Brittany, the vegetarian over here. <laughs> but, but I would never, ever not feed my dog meat. Don't get it twisted. So I think that some people are, and we'll let Amy make the sound one more time, cold turkey. <laughs> Thank you. And some people are Honestly, more... a turkey would, now that I think about it, would probably rip my cat apart. Yeah, let's not have <laughs> Suki chasing a turkey for either of their sakes. Okay, well, there are no turkeys in the city that I live in because <laughs> yeah. I don't live on a farm. Lucky us. <laughs> so those people who are cold 
<laughs> turkey. <laughs> and the people who are gradual, you know, want dipping one toe in one step at a time. And you have to know that about yourself. My partner is an all or nothing. He either does it 100% or he doesn't do it at all. And he puts all his eggs in one basket and that's successful for him. I'm more of an evaluate, measure, aim, remeasure, evaluate, measure, aim, readjust, aim again, then fire type person. <laughs> I have to look at all the variables and I have to go very Reflect gradually. on it, meditate yes. on it, think critically on yes. it, investigate about Do it. Do more research. <laughs> Consult Dr. Google about it. Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. Are there documentaries made on this? What does the library say? Have there been That's newspapers me. from 1950 on this topic? <laughs> They probably were pretty smart back then. <laughs> I just like to know all of the factors and all of the options, and I like to go really slowly, and that's successful for me. So if my partner and I were starting the same habit, the way we would approach it is very different, and that's okay. You have to know what style works for you so that you can work with yourself, not against yourself, to make sure that you have a higher chance of being successful with it. The next tip that we want to talk about for sticking to your habits is defining what your habit actually is going to be and being very clear with yourself about what your habit is. I think the reason why so many goals that we try to set for ourselves fail is because we don't really make the goal well-defined and in that case, make the goal achievable. So it's really easy to pinpoint, for example, like it's very easy for me to pinpoint, okay, I want to sleep better. But how? How do I sleep better? What is what is sleeping better actually look like for me? What does that mean to sleep better? So being able to break down that goal of wanting to sleep better and break it down into the various components and ultimately break it down into the habits that I'm going to make for myself. So to be like, okay, I want to sleep better. How do I do that? Oh, I know. I want to get eight hours of sleep every night. How do I do that? If I wake up at 6.30, I better go to bed by 10.30. Boom. That's a defined goal that can be achieved. Vague doesn't help. <laughs> it's got to be focused. Like, oh, but how can I get sleepy at 10.30? I have to shut off all screens by 9 o'clock. There's another habit. At 9 o'clock, all my screens get shut off. And at nine o'clock, I dim the lights and I go by candlelight and I read a book. That's going to be my new bedtime habit. And there could be obstacles wrapped up in that. So if you find obstacles, remembering to ask yourself why With you're not able to do that. Curious George. Heart. Why am I struggling so hard no, to Brittany, turn the screens off? Why? Why am I struggling so hard? <laughs> why? <laughs> because sometimes that question is really difficult to answer or difficult to deal with the answer. So you may encounter obstacles as you're having this questioning time. But that's that's a good thing. You want to figure out what the obstacles are so that you can plan to prevent them rather than trying to deal with them in the moment. So you need to figure out the who, what, when, where, why, how of your habits. Whew. And the who. <laughs> and the who, who. And the who, how. Oh, wow. <laughs> the last tip that we wanted to share with you guys. Well, the last one already, The last Brittany. one already. Oh, but a going. really important one is learning how to avoid cues. And when we say cues, we mean things that trigger an old habit for you. So as we mentioned earlier, 
A lot of times, making a new habit means also breaking an old habit. And an old habit that you may have been doing for your whole life can be really, really hard to do. Oh, those evil, evil old habits that cannot be broken. They just love to exist and stick around. Well, part of the reason why they exist and stick around is because a lot of times they are triggered from cues that we have. So when we mentioned the eating sugar habit before, say every time you eat dinner, you have dessert after. So for you, a cue to have sugar is eating dinner. So your body and your routine and everything surrounding you expects you to have that satisfying sugar after you eat dinner. That's your cue. So it's really important to recognize that that's a cue and say, why do I always feel like I have this compulsion to participate in this behavior, even though it's not what my habit wants? Recognizing that that's actually a cue is really important because then you can redirect your energy. So oh saying, my God, I have a cue. I have a cue. What's I your cue? Of a cue? Okay. Every time I go to buy toilet paper, which is about once every six weeks, then I end up buying a bag of chips. Oh, no. And so my cue is the toilet paper because the toilet paper aisle is right next to the chip aisle. Oh, you sneaky. See? So I'm, I know sneaky chips. <laughs> so I have to go by the chip aisle. And of course, the chips that I love, which are the sour cream and onion mm-hmm. chips, are right in the end of the aisle. So as I'm walking so easy by to just the grab chips them. to go get the very needed toilet paper, mm-hmm. I see my arch enemy. <laughs> And then I, and I have a really hard time resisting because I really like chips. I'm like, oh, well, I haven't had chips in like six since, weeks. Six weeks. <laughs> and I love chips. And it's like a little treat for myself. And then I talk myself into getting a bag of chips. And then I buy them. And then I eat them as I drive home. because. And then you can't stop. And then by the time I get home, I'm like, why did I eat a whole bag of chips? I, <laughs> I just drove home. I'm going to have to use minutes. all this toilet paper later. <laughs> And then I feel ashamed and then I feel guilty and then I feel disappointed and then I feel mad at myself. And it's just, it's a whole mess. And I realized I just, if I just never buy toilet paper, I'll never buy chips. No, that's not. And so now every time I have to go to the bathroom, I just use my cat's tail. That's not, mm, no. A well, better. She likes it. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's a different story. After I finish, she just, she licks herself off. I'm going to call she... Animal Protective <laughs> Services on you. No, but picking a different behavior, uh, that's not a real behavior, she does not use her cat's tail to wipe herself, is more saying, okay, well, maybe I How go- do you know? Have you been in the bathroom with me, Brittany? No, but I've seen your cat and there's not poo on her tail. That's because the cats <laughs> clean themselves. Oh, ew. <laughs> okay, anyway, back to reality is that instead, knowing that cue and saying, okay, well, I'm only going to go get toilet paper maybe- after I've eaten a full meal so I'm not hungry, or I'm going to take a route that doesn't walk me by the chips, or I'm going to pick a different store to go buy my toilet paper so that I can completely avoid that aisle altogether. I just basically now I walk by the chip aisle with my eyes closed with my hand <laughs> there out. There you go. I'm just like, is anyone, can someone grab my hand and bring me to the toilet paper Lead me to aisle? the TP. They're like, is something wrong with you? I'm like, my eyes, yeah, they won't open, please. <laughs> they won't <laughs> open. At least they won't open around aisle 16, but in front of all the other aisles, they're just fine. So if you can pass Lead me, me please. <laughs> from 15 to 17, <laughs> please. <laughs> I mean, that works. Whatever works for you, other than wiping with your cat's tail, is a really good option. So. Like I was saying, you have to redirect the energy. So if after every meal, you don't want to eat sugar because that's your new habit. Instead, as soon as you're done eating, go take a walk. 
make a new habit. Go do a crossword puzzle. Go meditate. Go do something. Yeah, do something that's different from the regular activity because your brain is like, wait, our pathways say this is our routine. Our brains and bodies love routine. So it loves to stay in the old routine, but you're trying to make a new one. So redirect the energy so that you can stick to the new routine that you're trying to create for yourself. Know your triggers so that you can preemptively strike and make sure that they don't sabotage you. Now, of course, we just named a whole bunch of ways to try to stick to our habits, to better define our goals, to try to make new behaviors into routines. And of course, these are not the only, like, these are not, this is not a limited list. So there are so many more ways that you can build habits. And there's so many more tips out there. If you really like this topic, we really want to recommend a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. This is a really fascinating book, and it's all about the science behind building habits. And it gives a lot of practical tips about how to implement new habits into your life. And so Honestly, I really recommend this book. And it's really rewarding, too, when you, when you read it and you're like, oh, my God, I'm already doing some of those things. Yeah, we're geniuses. <laughs> geniuses, I tell you. As I read the book, I was like, oh, and the habits and this. And then the book said to me, Amy, you're a genius. I was like, oh, my God, this book is speaking to me. Um, and then my cat meowed. I think and she was that like, was a fever dream. <laughs> oh. That was a post-flare post puking fever dream, actually. Oh, that didn't happen? <laughs> Probably not. Because Suki was, my cat was reading to me in that moment. Yeah, then that definitely didn't happen. <laughs> she was like, meow, mommy, meow, meow me. <laughs> oh, wow. We've gone off the deep end. <laughs> meow me, you're a genius. I was like, oh, yeah, thank you. Only your cat me. would say that. Oh. <laughs> she was just so happy I trained her how to walk outside. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I think sticking to healthy habits and starting new routines and defining our goals and all of that, it's really hard. It's really, really hard to do, but it's really rewarding in the long run. Something that has always helped me build new habits for my health and really commit to these habits is just remembering that like, even though I have endo, I can still have the most optimal health that my body is capable of. Having optimal health is not something that happens in one day. It is not something that happens in one moment. It's not like I eat a bowl of vegetables. I'm like, yes, I have optimal health. I'm pretty sure that would be called magic. Having optimal health is having our habits and then sticking to these habits and repeating these healthy habits day after day after day because habits accumulate in time. As we build these habits, we start to see the results. And that's why it's important to stick to our habits for, you know, a month or a month and a half or two months. It's, it's important to repeatedly make healthy choices and to make those into our habits. And this way we can reap the benefits of the decisions that we make. Whenever I'm struggling with a new habit, I like to remind myself that we don't build health by making a healthy choice for one day. Like Amy said, it's not magic. <laughs> so I don't get to say, okay, I did it once. Now it's, I'm just healthy. I have to really like repeat in my head a lot that by making that choice over and over and over again until it becomes a habit, that's how I make my healthy choice and how I get to my optimal health. 
So remembering that it's an ongoing process that has to be done over and over again, the healthy choices repeated leads to a healthier life. If you've made any new habits recently, we would love to hear what they are because accountability is really great for new habits. If you tell us what you've done recently that's brand new to you or something you're just starting to try out, please share that with us. Please share that with each other because sometimes we may be starting a new habit together and getting resources and support from each other is a really great way to stick to them. It's really nice to have the community that we have that we can share these habits because I bet you that among our community, some of the habits that we're making are the same. So please share that with us and share the thoughts that you have and the struggles and the obstacles that you found, and we can help each other to make better, healthy share habits. Share your why. Yeah, and, and your then how. share your how. And your who. Who, who. <laughs> <laughs> your where, what, when, why. And let us know if you trained your cat to walk outside. Okay, you can let Amy know if you trained your cat to walk outside. If you would like to let me know about training your cat, you can go to our Instagram. We are at in 16 years of endo. And you can also go to our website, which is in 16 years.com. And from there, you can connect with us via email. We hope that you make it a habit to listen to our show. No. <laughs> it's certainly my habit and my cat's habits. <laughs> Oh, your cats listen to our show. Well, yeah, because when I listen to the show, they're in the room. (laughs) And whenever we laugh, they always meow. They're like, Mommy. Amy and I have committed to our habit of podcasting. So we love that you have committed to your habit of joining us when we podcast. So thanks for being in our community. Thank you so much for listening today. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.